When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to retell you a couple of bedtime stories. I realized this season can be a bit of a black hole, this time between Christmas and New Year's, so I thought I'd release some extra content this week. My last fan favorites episode went over so well, I got so much great feedback about that, so I decided to throw together another one. This one is food-themed. The first story is one I've gotten many emails about over the years, notably about the unique opening. And the second, well, is just an overall favorite of many of you. I mean, what goes together better than cake and revenge? I hope this is a fun little remix for those of you who have been fans of the show for a while and... For those of you who are new to the show, maybe haven't heard either of these, then I hope you enjoy these food-themed tales of women scorned and the foods they love. First is Obsession in Yellow by author Jesse Blanchard. Mustard. Dijon mustard. Spicy brown mustard, stone ground mustard, hot mustard, spicy Cajun mustard, honey mustard. I ran my eyes over the beautiful rainbow of yellows, browns, and blacks against the sparkling white backdrop of the fridge door. From top to bottom, every shelf showcasing the variety of the most diverse of condiments, It's just mustard. Robert's voice bellowed in my head as my eyes fell on the hideous bottle of yellow American mustard, shoved in with the rest. With disgust, I yanked the bottle from the shelf and discarded it. Robert never understood the magic of this sauce. A sauce that could be spicy, sweet, tangy, smoky. He was the only reason. I had that abomination in the fridge. Whole grain mustard, Bavarian sweet mustard, Irish pub mustard, horseradish mustard. (sighs) I was again daydreaming of all the things I could drown, glaze, marinate, or season with that beautifully flavored condiment. Pulled from the fridge, the bag of shoulder meat with blood sloshing in the pointy corners, It glistened red and brown with veins of thick, white fat. It's just mustard. Robert was fat, boisterous, and crude. I got chills remembering his stubby fingers and his tongue lapping up that 
plain base yellow American mustard, which had squirted from that white bread bun and cheap meat hot dog. The fatty chunk hit the wooden carving board. I began running my hands over the moist meat and sprinkled it with a pinch of kosher salt. A smile crawled across my face as I massaged the glistening red, and it jiggled. Jiggling. Robert never stopped jiggling his balls. In public and private, there was never an occasion or a situation or a place that could suppress the urge. It was his right, his privilege as an American man. He would make his pants dance no matter the circumstance. I heated the Dutch oven with a drizzle of olive oil, and tingles came over me as the meat sizzled. German mustard, English mustard, beer mustard, deli mustard, mustard with fruit. I grabbed a spirited mustard made with a brandied peach. Cradling the glass jar in my hands, I took a small spoonful to my lips, letting the smell of sizzling meat and the sweet, oaky tang of the sauce mix. The culinary dance had begun. I turned the meat over and began mixing the mustard with some honey, bay leaves, peach puree, marjoram, coriander, and white pepper. I pulled the meat from the ceramic pot, let it rest as I deglazed the pan with peach brandy, and then added some diced shallots and garlic. It's just mustard! So loud. Everything he said had to take over the room noise. Every conversation, if he was in earshot, would be dominated by him. He would stage verbal coups. He didn't have conversations. He gave assaulting speeches, and his was the only opinion that needed to be heard. See, what they're doing wrong is... I placed the meat back in the Dutch oven with a fragrant mix of shallots and garlic, and then spread the mustard sauce over the top and placed the lid on to let the meat braise. Turning the heat to low, I left the pot to cook. How had I ignored those traits, or confused them with being suave, confident, and attractive? As my taste for him began to sour, I noticed what had always been there. The folds on the back of his neck that cascaded with sporadic black, thick hair his arched, slumped, silverback shoulders, the way spit bubbles gathered and turned to white foam as he ranted, the smell he left in a room after a session with weed, internet porn, cheap lube, Cheetos, and a flashlight. A similar smell lingered in my room. After the summer night, I returned home early from work to that all-too-cliché scene. Those balls just bouncing off her. Bouncing and bouncing. Hairy and jiggling. Such an unflattering angle, I thought. Had his ass always had so many unsightly pimples? A soft nuzzle, followed by a soft whine, broke me from the memory. Looking down to see those sweet eyes of my half-terrier, half-corgi, Frankie. He had definitely been woken from a lazy afternoon nap by the smell of sizzling meat. I reached down to pat his head. Hey boy, you want a treat? I asked, knowingly. 
his tail began to wag the rest of his body. Setting a cast iron on the stove and turning up the flames, I pulled another bag from the fridge. Opening the bag, my fingers ran across the taut sinew of the meat. Best I give him something to chew on for a while. It slid almost from my grip as I wrapped my fingers around it to place it on the cast iron. With the sizzle, Frankie's whole bottom began to move about almost out of his control, his feet tapping on the linoleum floor. Searing the round meat, the blood trapped in the veins, bubbled and popped. It didn't take long to cook. It was only a few inches in diameter and length. After letting the meat cool, I knelt down to Frankie's level. Resting a paw on my thigh, I presented him with the chewy meat and stroked his ears as he bit down. There was a wet snap, and then off Frankie went to enjoy it on the living room floor in a pool of late afternoon sunlight. You deserve something special. And you know, so did I. I stood confidently, peeking into the Dutch oven at the crisp, brown, bubbling, caramelized, fragrant meat. I thought, this was the best thing Rob could have ever done for me. My salivary glands began their response. It's just sex. Robert tried to explain away his transgression. Stupidity. That was the worst feeling. Followed by betrayal and just the feeling of being physically sick. A veil had been lifted. And clarity shone like a fluorescent light and hit me like a spoonful of Ipecac. I vomited. I cried. Vomited again. Then I became calm. I showered because the smell of vomit and the thought of him climbing on me time after time made my skin crawl. It was final. I knew I needed to have him out of my life. Spirited mustard with whiskey. Beer mustard. Sweet and spicy mustard. I grabbed a small mason jar of homemade mustard. This was special. I had grown the plant, harvested the seeds, soaked them in my favorite local apple cider, and pureed into a sauce I sweetened with honey. I added this to some roasted potatoes with a dash of vinegar as the meat rested on the cutting board. As the meat rested, the juices began to pool around it. Little flecks of fat glistening under the kitchen light. What other good would or could he have done? He contributed nothing to those around him. I hadn't even heard any concern from his fair weather friends in the last month. Eventually, the unemployment checks will stop. The knife flew through that first cut, and my fingers snagged a small bite, sliding it past my lips. The taste and texture combination is always a bit of a surprise. Human meat has the texture of beef, but the flavor palette of pork. The first few tries, I had gotten the flavoring all wrong, and there's a taste to the fat that is not found in other meat, unless you were to feed an animal Taco Bell, snack chips, and soda for months, <laughs> I assume. 
As I sat at my solitary dinner, I began to plan the menu for next week's dinner party. Sausages might be a great dish. The weather would be perfect for a cookout, and I could try my hand at smoking. I would definitely want to brine the meat to help take the odd taste out. It would even be an occasion for me to make a few different mustards from my seeds as to complement the different types of sausages. I smiled, thinking of the endeavor. It's just mustard. The drone, his smell, and his presence began to quiet with every bite. Next up this evening in our food revenge themed episode is Frosting by me, Shelby Scott. Enjoy. Break room etiquette is something I think many of us are familiar with. Whether your own particular break room consists of a card table and an ancient vending machine in the corner of a warehouse, a fully stocked luxury kitchen at a tech company, or something somewhere in between, we've all had to deal with the infuriating and perplexing antics of our co-workers in the form of stolen lunches or having to endure the stench of someone burning an entire bag of popcorn in the microwave. Oh god. Or the mind-numbing small talk. If I am literally face down in my balled-up sweater on the table with my headphones in, I am trying to save my sanity by taking a 30-minute nap before I return to that hellscape. It's not an invitation for Joanne to prattle on about how my generation is a bunch of entitled snowflakes while in the same run-on sentence complain that it wasn't fair that they didn't play her daughter the whole game in last Saturday's soccer match and that she was going to bring it up to the Junior Soccer Association that the coach should be fired. Speaking of the microwave, yes, at one point I was speaking of the microwave, okay? Why doesn't anyone ever clean that thing? You're just going to explode last night's spaghetti and walk away? Who does that? Ugh, and don't get me started on the forgotten shit left to rot in the fridge. Until one day, some caring citizen finally tosses it for the health and well-being of the rest of the office, only for some dickwad from accounting to be like, Hey, I was saving that. Where are you, Craig? Were you saving those Applebee's bourbon shrimp for two months? Go back to your office. Oh, and the next time you take the last cup of coffee, you're supposed to make more. Not leave half a sip to burn at the bottom of the carafe. Coffee is actually where my story begins. Oh my god, same goes for reading. If I am reading a book, I am not just wasting time until someone deigns to have a conversation with me. I'm escaping into another world where none of you people exist. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, coffee, right. 
I want to preface this story by saying that I am a great co-worker. I mind my business, but I still greet all of my peers warmly. I don't send passive-aggressive emails. I remember your kids' names, and I absolutely love surprising the entire office with baked goods every few weeks. It all started on a chilly January morning. That was Pam's first day. I had arrived bright and early, ready to start my morning ritual of taking 30 minutes before the start of my workday to sip some coffee and scroll a bit to see what all of the social media was up to. Most of my peers didn't start rolling in for another 10 or 15 minutes, and that's when I would catch up with them. If it was Monday, I'd ask them about their weekends. Maybe do a little cleaning around the break room if anyone had left any dishes in the sink. Back then, I was happy to tidy up. Those mornings were quiet and calm, and washing a couple of coffee cups from the day before was actually kind of a soothing way to start the day. It felt very homey. As homey as a gray office building could get, anyway. Oh, the building had a custodian, but they rightfully stuck to emptying waste paper baskets and not doing the dishes of a bunch of capable adults. And like I said, I was happy to do it. But that particular January morning was the beginning of the end, as they say. After I dropped off my bag and coat at my desk, I made my way to the break room happy as a clam to start up the first pot of coffee and check on the internet drama between two friends of friends I had been lurking through the night before. As I walked through the doorway of the break room, it felt like time stopped. It was as if I had tunnel vision and the world around me had gone blurry, except for one thing, a hand with dusty rose painted nails clutched around a bottle of coffee creamer, the other hand furiously tapping the upturned bottle so that not even a single drop was left behind. This wasn't just any coffee creamer. It was my coffee creamer. My absolute favorite coffee creamer in butter pecan, a flavor that only comes out during the fall season. Considering it was now January... That was the last bit of butter pecan goodness that I could have had for months. Not until late September, at least. It was also the last of the bottles I had hoarded and even kept frozen until use so they would last longer. The last one. And the body attached to these hands was the person responsible for taking away my last several days worth of that BP happiness. Because there had been at least another week's worth of creamer in there, and this, this monster had just used all of it in one single cup. The bottle even had my name on it, written in Sharpie both on the sides and on the lid. On top of that, according to the date, it was expired. I was the only one who knew that it wasn't because I had kept it frozen until using it. So this hag 
had ignored several warning signs that clearly spelled out, this is not yours, do not use this. On top of that, I had never seen this person a day in my life. I was so befuddled that all of my perfect coworker tendencies went straight out the window. All good manners I had been taught and retained about making a good first impression pushed aside as I blurted out, that's not yours. Oh, well, hi there. It's great to meet you too. My name is Pamela, but only my doctor and my mom call me that. You can call me Pam. What's your name? (laughs) Or should I wait for you to get a cup of joe in you first? Seems like mornings aren't really your strong suit. You know, I just prefer getting to the office about 45 minutes early every day to just sit and maybe call a friend or a family member. Oh, and of course to be the first face everyone sees every morning. I'm like one of those Walmart greeters, my husband always says. That would make the perfect retirement job for me. Oh, but once I'm retired, I am done, you know. No more rat race for old Pammy Whammy over Sam, here. I exclaimed. Pardon? She asked. My name. You asked for my name? My name is Sam. Well, how about that? Sam and Pam. Won't be hard to remember that. <laughs> she laughed as she casually tossed the container with the letters... S-A-M, printed in bold black letters on the large red lid into the trash. She took a sip from her mug and said cheerfully, Well, I'll be seeing ya, as she sauntered out of the room. I was stunned. I hadn't even formally brought up the creamer. How did she do that? I was not someone who strayed from polite confrontation when things needed to be said. In fact, I had mastered the art of the delicate balance of addressing inter-office issues whilst managing not to teeter into the awkward, you-made-it-weird territory. But this woman, she just bulldozed over all of that. Without even a word, she had just thrown me off my game. As soon as I saw her, I was too frazzled to even introduce myself properly before throwing out an accusation that, in the workplace, is basically like screaming, she stole my purse on the street. I thought about it on and off the whole day. I decided that, next time I saw Pam in the break room, I would take the high road and apologize for being not quite myself earlier. Maybe I would just make something up, like I had a rough time sleeping last night, or the old faithful, I've been dealing with some tough personal matters. Then I would explain that seeing her use my coffee creamer just caught me at a bad time. And that yes, of course it's just coffee creamer, insert polite laughter, but in the future it would be super cool if you just respected when people put their names on things in the fridge. Inevitably, she would apologize, and I would say, Oh, Pam, that's okay. You're new. All offices work differently. They don't. And how could you have known? Because you're literate and have two eyes that can see it clearly had a name on it. All's forgotten. Welcome to the office. So, what department do you work in? And from there, Pam and I would be on good terms again. I mean, we would never be friends, because... Come on, Pammy Whammy, for real. But we would at least be cordial, 
and my workplace could go back to being the tolerable level of awful that all offices are, instead of having to dodge this woman until she retired. The break room was in full view of my cubicle, and I kept my eyes peeled for her. Around 4 p.m., I looked up to see her burgundy sweater-clad back and khaki skirt waltzing through the doorway. I jumped into action, remembering to quickly chug the cold dregs of my coffee in my cup so it could just seem like I just happened to be getting coffee at the same time as my foe. It was only the two of us, thank God. Her back was turned to me, so I went, Oh, Pam, hey, how, how are you doing? How's the first day going? I love your sweater. Okay, now shut up, idiot. Remember that you made it weird territory. Oh, well, if it isn't my old pal Sam. Well, the first day is going just great. You seem in much better spirits than this morning. Oh, yeah, that. I am so sorry. I'm dealing with personal rough sleeping issues. Personal rough sleeping issues? What? Basically, I was just a little overtired this morning. Like you said, I hadn't had my cup of joe. And well, I was just a little surprised to see someone else using my coffee creamer. You see, it's a seasonal flavor. Oh, that stuff? Oh, yick. I had to dump it in the bathroom on the way back to my office. It was way too sweet for me. Couldn't even take more than a couple sips or I was going to have to call my dentist about all my teeth falling out. You... You poured it out? Oh, yeah. What were you saying, hun? That was yours? You know, you should really put your name on it. At my last office, that's how we did things. We just popped a post-it right on there and that was that. I had that feeling again. Like I wanted to grind my teeth into powder. (laughs) My name was on there, Pam. I said, trying desperately to keep my voice chipper. Well, was it on a post-it? No, but it was in Sharpie all over. Then I just must not have seen it. Honest mistake, like I said, in my last office, we used post-its. They're as bright as day. Can't miss it. Sounds like you may need to be a little more thorough with how you label things. Don't worry, I am so happy to help. I have some lime green ones shaped like little margaritas because it's five o'clock somewhere, huh? Well, I gotta run, hun, because speaking of, it's almost five o'clock here. And out she went. I went back to my desk, clearly in a huff. Kelly, my workmate, who sat a cubicle over, peeked his head above the side of our shared half wall, so just his eyes were visible. What's going on today? You're being weird. I'm not being weird. I just... Have you met the new woman, Pam? Pam? No. What department? I have no idea. I was going to ask right now, but she wouldn't let me. She wouldn't let you? His eyes narrowed with suspicion. Well, like, she just walked away before I could ask. Anyway, this morning... She drank all my coffee creamer. (gasps) Not the last of the butter pecan reserve. Oh, no wonder your typing sounded like someone taking a sledgehammer to keys all day. Thank you. Not only that, then 
when I tried to politely let her know it was mine, she said it was my fault for not having a post-it on it. I mean, a post-it is a good idea. Like, more visible, you know. I shot him a look. Never mind. Post-it's bad. Anyway, I have to take off early all week. Gotta pick up the kids since Tom picked up some extra hours. Okay. Bye, Kel. That night, I poured myself into making some of my famous butterscotch cookies. Everyone at work enjoyed them. I even made an extra small gluten-free batch. Two for Mark and Jessica, the office celiacs, one for Tom, Kelly's husband, and one just in case Pam didn't eat gluten, because tomorrow, I was going to end my internal one-sided battle with Pam. I let them cool, packaged them up, drank some chamomile tea, and got a good night's sleep. Actually feeling a little excited for the next day. I always felt a little bump of happiness knowing I was about to bring some confectionery joy into the office. As usual, I got there bright and early. This time, a whole hour before work started, I really wanted to beat Pam. I wanted to beautifully arrange the cookies on the table and start the coffee pot. As she said, she also liked getting there early and I imagined us having a cookie or two over a couple of cups of coffee and finding a good balance between the two of us. Soon, Pam came flouncing in, taking from a large tote bag a couple of containers containing her lunch and snacks for the day. I noticed neither of them had post-it notes on them, but whatever. Hi, Pam! She jumped, almost dropping a container full of some kind of white food I didn't recognize. Oh, Sam! You scared the bejesus out of me! I didn't see you there! I'm sorry, just wanted to say hi! I, um, I made cookies! I was wondering if maybe you'd want to have a morning coffee and a cookie with me before the day starts! I eagerly gestured to my display of perfectly golden brown cookies with shining dots of creamy butterscotch chips dotted about them. A small note next to them with, Enjoy, love Sam, I'd written. Oh, hun, Mr. Pam made me a full breakfast this morning, but thank you so much. I'll have one later, I promise. You're a peach for making the coffee. She poured her coffee, used not my creamer, and left the break room. It felt like a victory. My social anxiety was eased, this was a very normal interaction with a coworker. Not too much small talk, no passive aggression over post-its. No one consumed anything that didn't belong to them. Okay, I could go back to living my life. I honestly didn't even care if Pam had a cookie that day or not. I sat, breathed a sigh of relief, and put a reminder in my phone to maybe finally see a therapist about how unhealthy it probably was to be so obsessed with making people like me. I was in meetings the first full half of the day, and I went back to my desk to finish up a few things before going to lunch. The rest of the office had either gone already or was on their way out, including Kelly, who was just walking back from the break room with his lean cuisine. No cookie, I said, surprised. Butterscotch cookies were Kelly's most requested of all my baked things. Oh, well, 
I got the one you left on my desk for Tom, but are you sure you didn't leave them in your car or something? There's nothing in the break room. Are you sure? Maybe they went fast today and you missed it. They are incredible, I said teasingly. No, like they haven't been there all day. As soon as I got here, I dropped off my lunch in the freezer and grabbed a cup and there was nothing there. I saw this one on my desk and I was going to ask you if you wanted me to grab them from your car, but you were already gone to your first meeting. I assumed you forgot or had too much to carry or something. Before he could even get that last sentence out, I was already up and bounding to the break room. Kelly was absolutely right. Not one fucking cookie was in sight. I opened the fridge, the freezer, the cupboards, nothing. I looked over at the trash can. No way. I walked over. On top was the cardboard box once containing Kelly's lunch. There was a whole day's worth of soiled napkins, paper plates, discarded food, and Kleenex. But I dug through it all until I hit the bottom. And there, like a pirate's buried treasure, was a golden pile of now-ruined butterscotch cookies. And, as if someone had given her a fucking cue, in waltzed Pam. There I was, covered in old food and coffee, garbage strewn around me looking like a lunatic. I looked up at her. Did you throw away my cookies? I demanded. Well, hon, Nolan was eating them, and you just let them sitting out. That's not good food practice. Kelly said he came in here this morning and they were already in the trash. Why didn't you just come get me? Who's Kelly? You know I'm brand new here. I don't know everyone yet. I especially don't know which of these cute little cubicles is yours. My office is way on the other side of the floor and I just hardly come over here to your side except to grab my cup of joe and my lunch. I wouldn't have known where to find you and all that. While speaking, she casually pulled her Tupperware containing the mysterious white food and popped it into the microwave. Okay, so why didn't you just put them in the fridge if you didn't want them sitting out? I asked, incredulous. As the container slowly spun around the microwave, the break room started to fill up with one of the worst odors I've ever smelled in my life. Oh god, what is that? I said as I covered my mouth and nose. (laughs) Well, that's lutefisk, young lady. It's cod that's been pickled in lye, and it's part of my Nordic heritage. She was clearly offended by my reaction to her lunch. I quickly stuffed all the trash back into the can and bolted out of the break room. I went straight to the bathroom to vomit. I didn't know if it was the lutefisk or the anger at the absolute audacity of that woman to waste so much food I had made with my own two hands. Probably both. I made an excuse to my manager over email that I had a migraine and needed to leave early that day. The next day, I had an email about how I had received a complaint from someone who wished to remain anonymous about making my office mates feel uncomfortable about their eating habits. I wanted to scream. That Monday, 
I did scream. Turns out, me mentioning that Kelly was the one who told me about the missing cookies was a bad idea. Out of nowhere, he was fired. I walked him to his car that day and he explained through his sobs that all of a sudden he was called up for a performance review after his manager had gotten an anonymous tip that he was failing to fully do his job. His manager asked him the routine question of whether or not he ever left early or arrived late. We weren't salaried, you see, but we also didn't have a formal clock-in or out system. When Kelly admitted that he had left 30 minutes early all week to pick up his kids, they axed him immediately. One man was nothing to a giant company, especially one that was always looking to cut corners. They replaced him with someone they paid $5 less an hour and made them only part-time so they didn't have to pay benefits either. It was the easiest decision they ever made. After that, I tried to lay low. But this dance happened for months between Pam and I. She would passive-aggressively throw out anything I brought in to the point where I just started telling people to visit me at my desk for their sugar fix. I tried to stay out of her way. I didn't even greet her. I stopped coming into work early and started bringing coffee from home. It was miserable, but at least I had the ability to joyfully hand out whoopie pies and snickerdoodles from a cute basket on my desk. I had even started getting really good at individually wrapping things so it looked like it came from a real bakery. <sighs> and then the email came. I was to attend a meeting with me, my manager, HR, and Pam. I won't bore you with the details. Pam had prepared a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation on food safety, allergens, and the liabilities those both carry with them in an office not equipped for food preparation or storage. Not to mention how no one has ever seen the state of my kitchen and they had no way of knowing if I was hygienic or not. I was told that, starting immediately, I was not allowed to bring baked goods to work. My last happiness at that place. I had even made two full batches of beautifully frosted sugar cookies just to curb my nerves the night before this meeting. I explained to everyone that I wasn't allowed to give them out anymore. People seemed disappointed, but they mostly just shrugged and returned to their desks. Their hearts hadn't just been stomped on like mine had. I was just the free cookie lady to them. When I tried to lament them about how sad or unfair it was, they just went, well, it was fun while it lasted, or yeah, actually, they probably make a good point then looked at me as if they suddenly realized I was probably some cat hoarder who made my cookies out of spit and hair and they regretted ever eating one. So, I went home that night and ate all 24 cookies. And I came up with a plan. I was too good for that place anyway. And it was terrible for my mental health. I just could not 
do it anymore. I would come in, put in my notice, and never look back. I would have to get some things lined up, of course. I couldn't just go in there and quit my job willy-nilly. So, I planned some more. For a few weeks, I also baked one last cake. It was tall, gorgeous, with the bottom two layers being my favorite yellow cake recipe, and the top two layers being a delectable chocolate recipe I had been dying to show off. The frosting was a vanilla Swiss meringue, more time-consuming and difficult than American buttercream, but more buttery and less sweet. So worth your time if you've ever considered making it. I used real vanilla beans. The vanilla had a luscious chocolate ganache filling, and the top had a vanilla bean cream filling. I made the outer frosting blue. Why blue? I don't know, I just like blue. I also got all of the things you need to make it look like it came straight from a bakery. A professional box, I printed stickers with a local bakery's name on it, and I sealed it shut. When I got to work, I asked for an emergency meeting with my manager, an HR representative, and with Pam. I explained that I would like to apologize for any bad blood I caused and that they were absolutely right. I brought them to the break room fridge to show them that I had bought a cake for the whole office. I learned my lesson about homemade baked goods and from now on, the only things to pass that doorway would be sealed and from a quality professional. And kept in the fridge. I gave Pam a little wink when I said that and she seemed to seethe. I don't know why it worked. It shouldn't have worked. But every single person in the office came to eat that cake. Every single one. It was a beautiful day. No one was out sick or in a meeting. At lunch that day, everyone on our floor lined up in the break room for me to unveil my stunning blue cake and grabbed themselves a slice. Except Pam, but that was okay. I was going to pay her a special visit after I was done making sure every person in the office thought I was a nice person, a good person, no, a great person. And in that moment, they all loved me. As soon as the last person was served, I started my way to Pam's office, where she was pouting. I was already hearing gasps for breath behind me. It was as if they were in absolute awe of how great this cake was. So great. People even had to sit down. I was now in view of Pam's door when the screams started. Or (laughs) people trying to scream. It's hard to scream when you can't catch your breath. I know by now someone was already dialing 911, but it would be too late. Knock, knock! I opened her door. It wasn't locked. Thank God, that would have been awkward. And you know how much I hate awkward. 
She looked up from the computer. What's going on out there? She tried to look around me to the doorway, but I quickly closed the door. I walked up next to her. She eyed me up and down, suspiciously, and I set a perfect slice of cake on her desk. No thank you, she said, with a sour tone I had yet to hear from old Pammy Whammy. Oh, that's not for you, Pam. This is. I held up the large chef's knife I had used to cut the cake, and I drove it deep into the side of her neck. When sawing off someone's head, may I suggest maybe using a bread knife? Something serrated instead, because this chef's knife was not the right choice. I was already hearing sirens by the time I finally worked my way through her spine. I grabbed her by her mousy hair and carried her past the piles of seizing bodies. It was already starting to smell like piss and shit in here. We walked through the doorway of the break room together. I gently placed her on the empty spot on the shelf where the cake had sat all day. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted Pam herself to go against any food safety rules. I started to turn and leave when how could I forget? Thank you for reminding me, I said to the sagging head, its eyes gaping open at me. I grabbed a post-it, quickly scribbled P-A-M on it, and stuck it on her disembodied forehead. Now, I can hear the elevator ding. I'm already back in Pam's office savoring every last bite of that delicious cake and its perfect blue frosting. Because for a moment, everyone loved me, except Pam. And as I begin to convulse and my airways close up, I think, but fuck Pam. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little fan favorite remix. If you like the show, you can follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Scary to Sleep. If you'd like to follow my personal uh, accounts, that is at Shelby B. Scott on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to submit a story to the show, it's at, it's, or sorry, not at, it's Scary to Sleep at gmail.com. If you like ad-free episodes of the show, you can follow the show on Patreon, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get an ad-free version. I will also be releasing this week a new Guided Nightmare, and there will be a new regular episode. It's going to be, uh, I haven't done one in a little while, where I dive into a, a high strangeness topic, and I just talk to you about this phenomenon that happens. I'm really excited about it. It's a it's a topic I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. So stay tuned for both of those. Again, um, I'm going to release another a new guided nightmare sometime this week and a regular episode on Friday as usual. 
I just, again, I, I've been having a little bit of a um, strange holiday season that has definitely had its lows, but had many, many highs. But yeah, there have been their lows. And it made me think of those of you who out there who, you know, maybe just need to hear a familiar voice. And I hope this helped and I hope this provided some entertainment. Or maybe you didn't need help. Maybe you're having the best holiday season and I love that for you. And you just wanted you know, some extra content. I know a lot of podcasts take this time off this time of year, which is totally cool. I I totally, I I get it. We all need time off. So uh, I don't know. I just wanted to maybe fill that void a little bit and I will let you go. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.